Welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. I'm Amanda Poole Walsh, founder of Astrology Hub and your host for our flagship show. We explore the many ways astrology can support you in your relationships, career, health, and personal growth. Thanks for tuning in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. I am so happy that you've decided to join us today for this episode. This is a very special episode. It's actually part one of a two-part series with an astrologer who is quickly becoming one of the most popular astrologers here on the Astrology Hub platform, the beloved Georgia Stathis. Georgia is a legend in the field. She's an international teacher. She's been practicing and teaching astrology since 1977. It is such a gift to have her here on the platform teaching this community. So um, what we're going to be doing is in part one, Georgia's going to go through the first six signs of the Zodiac. So Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, and Virgo. You're going to listen for your rising sign. If you don't know your rising sign, go ahead and listen for your sun sign. But what she's going to do is go through what your rising tells you about how you spend, what you value, how you earn or how you could optimally earn income and how to use all this information to create a budget, become more financially responsible, but also how you can use it to create more financial opportunities in your life. So she goes through all of the zodiac signs and gives specific cues for you based on basically what is on your second house. So what sign is on your second house and then also looking at your eighth house. But you can you can decode all this just based on your rising sign. So that's number one. Number two. So we've actually created a free gift for you that accompanies this series. And you can download that at astrologyhub.com slash budget. What that gift does is goes through each of the zodiac signs and then gives you some of the key things that Georgia covers throughout this, this two-part series. That free gift will also include a link to a budgeting tool that Georgia talks about throughout these episodes. And that also is free. So just download the one gift and then you'll get both our uh, summary of what Georgia covered, but then also the link to the budgeting tool. And really one of the main questions that you're going to be able to walk away with answered from this series is what, what does having enough look like for you? And how can you create enough in your life, but then also look at what you already have and get better about managing that. This is also the kickoff of a workshop series that we are hosting in September with Georgia Stathis, Judith Hill, and Michael Bryan, all around these topics of health, wealth, and fulfillment. That is open for registration right now. So if you want to go check it out, go to astrologyhub.com slash workshop. You'll get all the information you need there. If you're tuning into this in the future and you've missed the lives events here, you still can access all these tools from the links that we've provided throughout this episode. So without further ado, just sit back and relax. You're going to learn some amazing things from Georgia and can't wait to hear from you in the chat. Thank you for being here. Oh, if you want to be notified when part two is released, which is going to be next week, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, YouTube and or on the audio podcast. All right. So without any more announcements, can't wait now to introduce you to Georgia and this incredible presentation that she has created for you. 
All right. So, Georgia, can we just start with a little bit of a high level question here and just tell us from a big picture? I know you have a presentation ready for us and we'll be diving into these things much more deeply. But how can astrology in general help us manage our finances and get a handle on things like budgeting and financial responsibility and things like that? How can astrology help us with that? Well, first of all, you have a want, you have to want to do it. That's, yeah. that's the first thing. Um, but, you know, everybody has a different chart. Your chart changes about every three minutes. So, um, you know, we, we often look when we start with something like this at the second house of a horoscope and the sign that's on that house, because that second house is really number one, how you, what you value. Um, and that, and the planet that it rules gives you some inclination of what that might be. And then you have to look to see where that planet is in the chart. And by knowing what you want or what you value, it gets much easier to budget something. And, and the key thing, and again, going back to what I just said, you have to want to do it. I mean, when you talk to people about budgeting, they go, well, you know, I'm, and nobody wants to do it, but that's, that's a, what do they call it? Cornerstone of being able to hold on to your money or use what you already have. Because a lot of people think they have to have a lot of money to be able to do a lot of things. And they don't if they manage it. And management is what it's all about. And, you know, some people have skills and some people don't have skills. That's the other piece. You know, if you have, say, Neptune in a hard square to the rule of your second house, it may be really hard for you to focus. I mean, this is the ADHD mode, you know. So, but you have ideas. So then you have to get somebody who will help you concretize the ideas. We don't always have to do the budget ourselves. If we don't have that natural ability, we get somebody to help us, you know. And this is why I think a lot of people don't want to do it because sometimes they just don't have that access because ADHD, I have children that have ADHD and they, they're adults now. And very brilliant in terms of what they want to do with their money, have ideas. But how do you put it down into a one plus one is two, or two plus two is three. So we look at the second house ruler to show how we spend our money, which you have to know that in order to budget your money. But we also look at the eighth house ruler. And the eighth house is shows, number one, how we make our money, what our best skills are to make our money. And Robert Jansky always spoke about this saying the eighth house is the house of your income, number one. Number two, the eighth house is about how do you hold on to it? How how do you deal with your debt issues or your tax issues? Because, you know, you could be making a lot of money and not paying any taxes and you're you still have nothing because mm. you do have to pay taxes. So that's what we look at, the ruler of the second, the aspects, if it has any, where it's placed. We look at the ruler of the eighth, where that's placed. Because where that ruler is placed is also the area of your life where you can go to get that income. And then we want to look to see, are there any aspects to that? And by the way, if there are hard aspects like a square, a conjunction, which is not always a hard aspect, an opposition, don't think that you cannot do it. Because sometimes, truthfully, the harder aspects make you do it more, mm. you know? Hard aspects motivate you. I mean, I feel bad for people who don't have any hard aspects in their chart because motivation is a struggle. So a hard aspect will push you. And even if you have 
the ruler of the second say your spending habits, what you value, being aspected by a movement through the sky, a transit. Say Saturn is going over the ruler of your second house. That means it's time to look at your budget or look at your spending because it's Saturn, reality check. The other side of it could be if Jupiter's hitting that in a positive way, you could be spending more money and also be making more money or have a vision for making more money. So it just depends. And the other piece that needs to be said here is as we grow up and you know evolve, we always have the same natal chart, but it will progress over time. And you still work with the foundational chart, but by progression, which are slow. I mean, it's not like they happen overnight. By progression, a house cusp, like the second house could change signs. And the eighth house could change signs. Then you look at the house planet that rules those. So, but to keep it simple, the second is how you spend it and what you value. That's what you spend it on. The eighth house is how you hold on to it. You know, Georgia, you you said things that are just total gold already. One of the things that I love that you said is that it doesn't always have to be you. I'm reading this book called Who, Not How by Dan Sullivan. And it's basically like, instead of asking the question like, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? It's like, who can help me do this? Who is who is in my sphere that is good at this? Because I'm not. You know, I always think about, I'm way more of a big picture person. So sometimes the details of a budget, I'm like, oh my God, this is tedious. Like, I don't, I I have so much resistance. So having someone, people in my life that are, that help me do it, or there's apps that can help you do it. Like there's a lot of options. Um, And the other thing that you said, like, you don't actually have to make a ton of money in order to be able to do the things you want to do. And that's really true as well. I think we, um, gosh, there's this book called, I think it's called The Millionaire Next Door. No, no, no. It's called Everyday Millionaires. Everyday Millionaires. Yeah. And, and they did the largest study of millionaires in the United States, like 10,000 millionaires. And are you remembering like the, the top professions for millionaires were not what you would think? The, and it wasn't inheritance either. It was like way less than like 1% was inheritance. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't doctors, lawyers, you know, all the ones that we uh, assume are the high income ones. The, the ones that were at the highest were teachers. Right. And like, like these professions were like, really? But probably because they're just really mindful of their money. They're mindful of what is coming in and they're, they're, they, they're working with a budget and they're doing these things. And then they set themselves up for success later in life. So. It is interesting, um, but I'm really grateful that we're going to look through these the different signs. So basically, you're saying we need to look at the second house and the eighth house. What sign is on the cusp, meaning what sign is on that line before right. we get to that house? Right. That sign is giving us indications on what we, how we spend and how we make our money. And what we value that we spend our money on. Yes. Yes. You know, because we spend our money on what we value. We don't spend money on what we don't value. Right. You know, yes. I mean, there's a difference. And, you know, when you go through a value shift, you're going to spend your money differently. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, and then the other piece that, you know, it is true. Uh, survival is a motivator. And so people who don't have as much, who have overcome fear, you know, and just say, okay, I'm just going to get on in the saddle and I'm going to just do this, right? They usually are the ones that have quite a bit at the end. 
sometimes you see people very wealthy who have nothing, mm. you know, because it's there, it's easy, you know, it's not, it's not, it's there and it's, you know, and money is, um, is not something we hold on to. Money is a transitory thing. Mm. And so, it, you know, it comes through your hand. So what happens when it comes to your hand? Okay. Well, this looks like a great thing, but do you think about before you do that, if I do this, what will happen with B, C, and D? And this is about becoming more strategic, which I think we do become as we get older. I also think when we're younger, we spend a lot more money than when we're older because we learn, you know, the tricks of the trade. And sometimes we learn about money when we've had major losses too. Oh, yeah. You know, that happens a lot. Oh, yeah. But the other piece too is being being mindful of not only asking people for help, but dropping the pride. Because people are often ashamed to tell people you need help or an embarrassment that you're only making so much. And, you know, that's the first thing that has to go out the door is get rid of the fear and the embarrassment. And we will cover that in that workshop in September. Um, So, yeah, don't be embarrassed when you need help. Ask for it when you need help. Wow, that is huge. When I've been in the biggest financial crises of my life, it is other people who I told what was going on who helped me get through it. Had I not said anything, I would have suffered in silence and just felt the weight of of the burden that I had gotten myself into, you know? But because of what you just said, being young and and not, I mean, at this point, debt and all that is like kind of terrifying to me because I get through that, because I went through that situation. But yes, like it absolutely just, dropping the shame. It's okay. A lot of us go through these cycles throughout our life and it's only making you better. It's only like if you, if you take the lessons and you work through it, it's going to make you better. You're going to be where Georgia is at some point where you're like, I don't have to worry anymore. I had to worry a lot growing up, but I don't have to worry anymore. So, all right, let's dive into your presentation. Okay. Let's uh, share the screen. So this is a presentation that is designed just to pique your interest and make you start thinking about some things. And so the question that I was trying to come up with when I was thinking about this was, what is the right question to ask people when it comes to having enough money? And so the question that I came up with, what is having enough really about? And I think that's something we have to define head on before we go into any sort of budgeting or planning for our futures. And the first thing you have to do when you do that is you have to start to think differently in order to do this. Because if you think differently, which sometimes is hard for people, if you think differently without judgment, which is a very Saturn thing, um, you can actually grow exponentially. And with that said, I want to talk about something that has been happening and will be happening going forward in the future because Everything that happens, every chart that happens, even for people who are long gone, the charts remain alive for any point in time. And we're having a unique thing happening over the course of this next 18 and 18 months in that about every 19 years, the uh, North and South Node, which run with the eclipses, go through a certain two opposite signs. And uh, we have over the course of this next 18 months, the North Node, which is moving through Aries, which is ruled by Mars, which is asking people to be somewhat courageous 
and being able to go into the wilderness, whatever your wilderness is, and the transiting south node, which is about letting go of old habits that don't work anymore, is to stop vacillating about what you want to do going forward. But sometimes when we're wanting to go forward with our money life or our resource life or our security life, we have to be brave. And even though the nodes will return every 19 years, which by the way, is very interesting in terms of business astrology, because every time the nodes come back to the same spots, it'll show the trends in the world, like North Node in Aries, which is unfortunately more military, uh, South Node in Libra, which is less military, but it will also bring about interest rate changes. It'll bring in clothing changes, the way people dress. And you'll find with your own horoscopes, if you've been around long enough, that about every 19 years, when these nodes go through a certain part of your horoscope, that you're having to deal with those same issues that you dealt with 19 years ago. The difference between all those other times and now is that over the course of the next you know, few months going forward, Pluto, which doesn't take any prisoners, Pluto is very black and white about how Pluto operates. Pluto is about looking at where we feel vulnerable, especially with the nodes, which are related to the moon and our emotions and our feelings and our security needs, where we feel vulnerable. And so it brings these issues of vulnerability to the surface. And it's not always really very comfortable. It's not like Jupiter, it's Pluto, which says, hey, you've got to face something here. And the beauty of these cycles that we're moving through over the next 18 months is you're getting an opportunity to face the things and you can choose because Pluto is about power and choice is power and choice is Pluto because you can choose if you want to go into the wilderness or not. And this is where the free will comes in for all of us. Do we want to really change and set, shed skin in our lives and move forward? And why am I bringing that up? Because the nodes are also called the dragon's head and the dragon's tail. A lot of you watching this know this, but let's just take a little different take on this. Every time the North Node, regardless of what year it is, goes through a certain sign in the sky, which goes through a certain part of your horoscope, it's like the ancients believed that there was a dragon that was in the sky. And the dragon needed to change in some way, to transform in some way. And in order for the dragon to do that, the dragon had to devour the sun. Now think about that. That's not exactly what I would call an easy thing to do. It's painful. You're going to possibly get burned in the process of doing it. And that's when we would get the eclipses. It would go dark. And eventually the sun came back, which is basically through the tail of the dragon, which is also painful. And But the tail is about letting go of stuff that you no longer need. It's sort of like emptying your financial carburetor that's full of carbon. That's exactly what this configuration is about. And because the dragon is eating the sun and where the North Node or the dragon's head is moving to your horoscope is where you're being asked to take some chances, especially since it's in Aries for the next almost two years, ruled by Mars. Where do you want to take some chances? Where do you want to take some risks? And if you have been here in past cycles, 19 years ago, 19 years ago, 19 years ago, if you can remember what you were looking at to do at that time, some of which you were able to do, but some which you were not be able to do because you weren't ready or you weren't older or more mature or more seasoned. 
And the same thing is true as where the tail of the dragon is moving through your chart now, 19 years before, 19 years before, 19 years before, is where you were letting go of old patterns. And maybe some of those old patterns have come back. You forgot about how you need to rethink letting go of being so compromising with people, being so nice that you don't ask for the order, being so nice because you don't want to uh, you know, rock the boat with people you work with or your bosses or your family members. This is about the South Node going through Libra. About thinking for yourself, being, and I hate the word selfish, but being a little bit more mindful of self. because. To do a budget, to handle your finances, you have to take care of yourself. And, you know, this is an old cliche, but, you know, when you're on an airplane and we've all traveled, I've traveled a lot. First thing they tell you when they about the oxygen mask is put it on yourself first, then help the people around you. Because if you take care of yourself financially, you can help the people you care about. So with that said, and so the, the challenge number two here, not only identifying where you have to take, be brave, and where you have to let go, is then in terms of a budget, is discriminate between what are your real, what do you want? That's very Venus. What do I desire? What do I want? Versus what do I really need? And I need to go hunting for that. And that's very Mars, you know, going into the wilderness to kill the mammoth, if you will. Uh, wants versus needs are very important because sometimes we have a huge list of wants but we neglect our needs. And then when the need comes up, like the water heater breaks, what am I going to do? Well, that's the balancing act we're looking at. And if you think about it, where the North and the South node are moving right now, or especially in the next you know, year and a half to two years, Pluto is sitting at this fulcrum point right here, holding these two at a very, like almost like a seesaw or a teeter-totter. Okay. So um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go through, and I want to qualify this before I uh, bring it up. I'm I'm not a whole sign horoscope reader. I am a Coke system horoscope reader. But for the purposes of this uh, presentation, what I've done is I've taken every sign of the zodiac that's rising. And you know, if you don't know what your rising sign is, because some that's based on your time of birth, you can also use what we call a solar chart, where the sun theoretically becomes the rising sign. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each sign of the zodiac for Aries or Aries rising, and we're going to look at number one, uh, the houses that rule, the houses that are important with budgeting. The second house of every horoscope shows how we spend our money. How we spend our money is because what we value is what we spend our money on. And the second house ruler of that, the ruler of the second house, wherever it's placed in your horoscope, shows you the area in which you spend your money. Number one, what you value. And then we want to look at, does that ruler of that second house have any aspects natally? Um, if you have a hard aspect to the ruler of your second house, it might be you're a little bit more cautious about spending money like Saturn hitting that ruler. If you have Jupiter, which loves to have a good time, which it, but is also very lucky, hitting the ruler of the second house natally in a hard aspect, in a hard aspect, square opposition, you may spend too much money. Or if Jupiter is conjunct that second house ruler, which doesn't happen a lot, but does happen, then, you know, it seems like sometimes you're pretty fortunate. Things show up. You're very good at figuring out your skills, the abilities you have. The second house of the horoscope shows the skills and the abilities you have 
that can help you help you bring money in. Now, let's look at Aries just to start here. Here's Venus ruling Taurus, which is the second house. Now, Venus has a lot of wants. She's a desire goddess, not a need goddess. So there might be uh, a little bit more of an impulse to spend money with Venus ruling the second house of the chart. But the key thing is you can budget. And so, you know, budgeting doesn't have to be painful. The thing to do when you're budgeting, if you have Venus ruling the second house, is you have to budget also for pleasure. You can't just budget for survival. If you budget for pleasure, then the budget works a lot better for you. Um, Venus also has the ability to attract to it and talk to people and be social. It could be in your social uh, environment in which you, you know, talk to people or you're in the community. That these are people that can also help you with your budget if you're not really sure about how to get a handle on it. Now, the eighth house of the score of, of the Aries rising chart is Scorpio, which is ruled by Pluto. Modern astrologers use Pluto. Classical, traditional astrologers use Mars. I, you can actually use both. So, you know, Pluto is transformative. And one of the things I have seen here um, with Aries rising, because, you know, Aries ruled by Mars, which is tools, is you see a lot of people in the uh, industry that transforms things into beautiful things taking dead things and making them into beautiful things, which is also a very interesting thing here. You know, you can make your money creating beautiful things for people with Venus ruling the second house and then having the eye, if you will, or the vision, the visual ability to transform that something. And, you know, you can kind of look at your budget with Venus ruling the second house here as a the access to your future pleasure. That's how you do it. If you can do it that way, then I think you can make a successful budget for yourself. But first you have to identify your needs before you identify the pleasures. And if you can, and this is very important, make it for each budget that we're going to do today, a game. Using, doing a budget is about a game. And there is a template that I do make available and I think can be made available through Astrology Hub for every one of you that are watching this that allows you to, it's already a built-in template where you can put in all your income at the top and then at the bottom, all the expenses you have, your vet bills, you know, your doctor bills, your medical, and what it automatically does is you put more things in, it'll either subtract or automatically add all the way through the end of the year and by the month. And it makes it very easy to see it visually. And I think something like this could work very well, especially with Aries Rising people, because you can see the visual budget. I have one on our website at starcycles.com, uh, already available always. It's just a click under the, under the, to the books and the cheat sheet. But I can also make it available to you folks too. It's really easy. And by the way, if you do decide to use this, and I highly suggest you do, Save the original and then make a copy and play with the copy because if you mess the copy up or you don't do something right, it's very easy to use. You can always go back to the original. Okay. So Taurus or Taurus rising people. Now, they have, if in fact, you know, and it will change. Sometimes if you're using a Coke system or a Placidus system, sometimes these houses will change, but we're doing a general presentation here. Here's Gemini in the second house ruled by Mercury. First of all, 
Mercury is very good. Mer- Gemini Mercury is different than Virgo Mercury. Gemini Mercury is a problem-solving Mercury. Uh, Virgo Mercury is, let's do a spreadsheet Mercury. There is a difference. Um, Mercury ruling the second house here. Where's Mercury in the chart of a Taurus rising? Now, again, first of all, your skills that can help you uh, have liquid cash are very mercurial. You have ideas. You're a writer. You're a thinker. Um, you can do two things at once. This is something that's very important to remember about Gemini in the second house. Usually doing two things at once, you know, one that feeds the left brain and one that feeds the right brain is the thing to do because then you don't get bored because Taurus risings do get bored and they get a little fixed. So it's always good to have like two things working at the same time, keeps you balanced. So where is Mercury? First of all, what do you value? You value information. That's the second house ruler, Mercury. Where's that Mercury place in your chart? That's where you're going to be spending your money. Um, what about a budget? Okay, maybe you should have two different budgets. That's something to look at. A budget for your vacation and pleasure, because Taurus Rising is ruled by Venus, and a budget for, I got to get the water here fixed. It's possible to do two different budgets here and work with them and then work back and forth with them. The eighth house, which I like, you know, the one thing about Taurus rising people or often Taurus people, they have Sagittarius on the eighth house, which is ruled by Jupiter. So they're a little bit more able to draw in income on a, even though, even though they don't always think they can on a regular basis because Jupiter does rule the eighth house. They can be very lucky when it comes being in the right place at the right time or making money. You know, a lot of people say Tauruses make money. Well, part of it is luck. But with Gemini on the second house, part of it is paying attention. And this is something somebody told me years ago, and I think he was absolutely right. He said, look, if you get an idea, that's very Gemini, Mercury on the second house, Mercury ruling the second house. If you get an idea within 48 hours, even though you're, and don't judge it, within 48 hours, find out about it, look it up. Ask a question, make a phone call, inquire, because that's the mercurial energy of the second house. If an idea can come in that if you don't pay attention, you can miss it. So to follow through with that. Now, how do you budget? Well, I think since Gemini can be, I hate to say it, a little scattered, um, maybe review the budget every two or three months or every four months or every five months. This way you won't feel it's a daunting, horrible thing to do because there's a lot of changeability with spending. There's a lot of changeability with your values. You know, one day you're doing this, one day you're doing that. Maybe do a budget and don't say, oh, this is for the next year, for the next five years, the next 10 years of my life. Maybe for the next quarter. And then see how you did. Make it a game. Make it fun. And what about Gemini Risings? Now, this is an interesting, uh, you know, we're talking about how changeable Gemini is, which they are. Uh, you never really know who's coming home at night, you know, if you're married to one. I was. Um, but anyway, you have cancer in the second house. Now, this is an interesting, this is a very interesting. You know, they say Gemini, Mercury, that's the salesperson. The person, you know, Mercury in uh, mythology is the god who goes in and, ha- in and out of hell unscathed. The only God that can do that. So here we have on the second house of Gemini rising people, cancer. Security is really important for these people because cancer is ruled by the moon. 
And one of the things I tell people, and we'll be covering more of this in the uh, workshop in September. One of the things I tell people about the moon ruling, the, the moon in general, the moon represents your first seven years of life. Half of which is, by the way, without language, really. The second half is which is. So it's a very impressionable. The moon is kind of, you know, what you you absorb in the first seven years of life in your environmental surroundings. So one of the deeper things to examine here is what is the family story or what is the family belief around money? What is the family belief around spending? And that's an important thing to identify, especially if you want to grow your business or grow your life or grow your money. Because if, if there is a family story, look at the ruler of the, say you have a rule, moon in your chart that has, I don't know, uh, Saturn hard and a hard angle, Saturn square the moon or Saturn conjunct the moon. The family story, it might be that life is hard, that getting money is hard. Now, the good news about that is that you may manage it better because it's hard. We talked about that earlier in the in this podcast. But the other part of it is, is that the fam- or the money is bad. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things out there about people who have money now being bad people. Well, yeah, there's a lot of bad people that have money, but there's a lot of really good people in the world that have money that are doing a lot that we don't even know about. We hear about the bad people. We don't hear about the good people. And so the moon, all right, first of all, you have to, you have to have enough food. That's going to be important in your budget. You have to have enough, uh, a, a fairly comfortable place in which to live. That's going to be important for your budget. So your housing, your food, your food access, that's going to be important when you, and you may have to spend a little bit more time or give more money for your food access because that, if you don't have that, it's very hard. Cancer energy has to eat before it makes a decision. Um, if they don't eat before they make a decision, they are crazy. The blood sugar drops, they're impossible to deal with. So food and the house and the, and you know, the, that the family, the family is safe. This is a very moon. If you're going to budget with your family, that's going to be very important. Or if it's not a, uh, you know, a, li- a real family, like a genetic pool family, the family that you choose, like your friends that are your family, that's the same idea. Um, the moon is also changeable. If you look at it every month, it changes signs. So, you know, you need to have a little play in your budget that, okay, you know, what part can you do a little play with? Because some months you may need to have more going out to eat perhaps, which has gotten very expensive and you need to allow for that once in a while, but then months where you may not. And that's why it needs a little bit more play. Also, the moon is the ruler, and where is that place in the chart? That's going to be the area that you spend your money in. If the moon, let's give an example here. If the moon is in your ninth house, you're going to want to travel. You're going to want to learn something. So you need to budget for that in your budget because travel is going to be important because that's what you're going to value. You may not be able to travel with a lot, but at least allow it once in a while because that'll meet the needs of this of the second house. Now the eighth house, which is how you save it, is Saturn ruled. 
I think there's two ways to look at a Saturn ruled eighth house. First of all, let's look at the hard way to look at it is that there may be a feeling that there is no support from other people. That has to change. That's a fear. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a, what we call challenge Saturn. However, the other side, because every planet is good and bad, it's a bad planet or a good planet. They have two sides. Saturn in the positive aspect is mastery. This is a person who could, if they put their mind to it, okay, build a foundation, a cornerstone. I want to do this. I want to do this. And being a Gemini rising, very good problem solving and lay that out and be patient because Capricorn in the eighth house is slow. It doesn't mean that you won't have anything. It is, it requires a slow building process, which works very well with a moon rule second house that, you know, you put aside certain percentage every month that automatically comes out of a paycheck. Uh, you set up the Roth IRAs for future. You know, you stay abreast. And this is important for all of us watching this. You People don't want to read about what's happening with money or interest rates. They just don't. They think it's beyond them. It's very important to look at what's changing in the financial field. It's very important to look at interest rates. It's very important to look at, you know, should I buy a house now? Should I buy a house then? Should I spend money on a house? What are the cycles? It's important to know a little bit so that you can manage. And I think Gemini Risings are pretty good at managing their money if they're not afraid. And as long as you allow for food and security and a safe house in which to live, even if it's a little world that you feel safe in, I think that's how you budget your money. So what about Cancer, Cancer Risings? You know, it's interesting. I have looked at uh, over the years of the two signs that I see that usually are able to amass a great deal of wealth, I've seen Cancer Risings, and believe it or not, Virgo Risings, which we'll talk about in a minute. And, you know, what about Cancer Rising people? You know, Cancer is ruled by the crab. Um, and if you watch, if you watch a crab on the beach, they move sideways, which I find, um, is kind of how cancers, you know, that you don't really know that they're amassing money or you don't, they're moving sideways. And the thing about a crab is they have that big claw. And if you try to take something away from them, they will not let go of, of it with, with a claw. You have to cut the claw off. So this is a very tenacious rising sun. And, but it knows how to talk to people. It know it's Leo on the second house ruled by the sun. Where is the sun placed in the chart? That's where you shine. That's where you make your money. This is, this is where you, you know, find the skills that help you do things. Leo in the second house also wants to have a good time. So it's going to be really important with Leo on the second house to budget for fun as well as for everyday needs. Um, the sun, let's say, for example, that the sun, uh, Okay, let's say, for example, that the sun is in an aspect to Neptune. You know, Neptune has a lot of bad press because Neptune is considered to be spacey and, you know, out of, out of, you know, sometimes insane. But it's also one of the most imaginative, one of the most creative planets of the zodiac um, and also one of the most spiritual planets of the zodiac. It's somewhat otherworldly. So if you have a sun Neptune, one of your skills may be your imagination. And one of your skills might be when you're doing a budget to use your imagination and not judge it. Um, 
And also, if you're working with other people, I would say also to share that imagination with other people so that they get these bright ideas. The thing about Leo in the second house, it's very good at giving. It's not very good at receiving. And it's important that you budget enough for yourself, not for everybody else. Um, and to learn to ask for help if you need to ask for help. I mean, that's that whole pride thing that we were talking about earlier. Leo in the second house might be afraid to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time right now because usually they do pretty well with cancer rising. And to ask a professional, how can I make my life work a little bit better with the money that I'm working with that seems to have a, you know, like a lot of people bought a lot of houses the last few years, wherever you, in America, at least they did. I'm not looking at the global, um, but the rates are up and the prices are up. And we know that, you know, uniformly. So if you bought a house at 2% mortgage, that's going to be real different than a house at 5 to 6 to 7%. That's why the houses were much more expensive. We're able, people spent more money when the rates were low. And now that the rates are high, people are not selling their houses. Or if they are buying, they may be buying inflated prices. So you have to really look at the kind of luxury aspect of your thinking in terms of your budgeting as well. Uh, how much luxury is enough? That's Leo in the second house, you know. Uh, and how much do you need to move more internally to work with yourself internally and be creative? Leo in the second house can be very, very creative. Now, if we look at the eighth house, this is what I like about this axis a lot. You have Aquarius on your eighth house, which again, eighth house is how you bring in your money. It's how you hold on to your money. And Aquarius on the 8th is ruled by either Uranus in the modern space, which, you know, Uranus has a lot of bad press that it's the god of chaos, but Uranus also rules commissioned work. I need to tell you that money comes in, money goes out. And sometimes you can actually make more money with Uranus than you can with other planets. Uh, in the more classical sense, Saturn is the ruler of the 8th house, Aquarius. But let's look at Uranus. Uh, Uranus is out-of-the-box thinking, networking. Uh, working with large groups or large projects, wholesale versus retail. And that is something with this cancer rising chart with Leo on the second and the eighth house. Think about this. You can work with one person in one hour, or you can work with a hundred people in one hour. You're still using the same amount of time, but you're getting more of a return. And it's more fun. That's one thing about budgeting with Leo in the second house. You need to have more fun. And so working with groups of people, working on commission, working on multiple streams of income, uh, this is a really great thing if you have cancer rising because you can do it. I mean, I think this is even more effective than um, Gemini in the second house because there's the uh, fire to do it. Leo is fire. you know. The, and if you're hard, this is important too. Cancer rising people need to have their heart in their money-making abilities. If the heart is not engaged or your heart's not in it, then you shouldn't be there. You should change. And I think that's happening a lot with you folks anyway, especially with the nodes in Pluto Square right now. So what about Leo risings? You know, this is interesting. Here we have Virgo on the second house. Remember I said earlier, Mercury rules Virgo and it rules Gemini. Mercury and Gemini is... The problem solver. 
Mercury in Virgo is the spreadsheet person. So, you know, you could be very gregarious and outgoing as a Leo rising, and but you are going to probably be really good at doing a budget because Mercury rules Virgo, okay? It's almost like your game. That's your game is to redo the numbers, to rethink the numbers. It's a game. This is really the game for Leo rising people. Where is Mercury in the chart in this Leo rising chart? This is what you value. This is the area you're spending your money in. And let's talk about this for everybody. But for this example, particular, uh, let's just say, let's talk about this. Say Mercury is the ruler of your second house. And about every year, Mercury, everybody's going to go, oh, Mercury goes retrograde every year, three times a year, sometimes four for about three weeks. Whenever you hear this in the public news now, it's like, oh, Mercury retrograde. But for Leo risings or for Taurus risings, because they both have Mercury ruling the second house, this is an opportunity to rethink your budget, rethink your spending, rethink about, you know, how, what you're doing, what skills you have, what abilities you have to make a more effective income source or income stream once Mercury goes direct. So don't go odd when Mercury goes retrograde. Um, it's also a time if you've been neglecting dealing with the budget, especially with Mercury ruling the second house, that things could come up that you knew intuitively you should listen to, but you didn't. And that's particularly true with Leo rising people with Pisces on the eighth house. The intuition is very, 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 very good. It's very good when it comes to other people. It's very good with partnerships. It's very good with income. The problem, the challenge with Pisces on the eighth house is the red flags will come up. And when you're less seasoned or less mature, you will leave because you're Leo rising, right? We can always make it happen. You push down the red flags and then you have trouble. Instead of, so, oh, that's a red flag. I need to listen to that red flag about where I'm going to put my money. Is this, if somebody comes to you with an investment scheme, a red flag comes up, you need to listen to that instead of being the benefic Leo rising person. Um, but the other part of it is intuitively, eighth house intuitively, you know exactly who to call to go for help. But that means as a Leo rising person, you have to be able to ask for help and embrace help. And maybe have your numbers in order when you ask for that help. That's the Virgo on the second house. And here's that other, which I've seen a lot of very wealthy people also have Virgo rising. You know, you think Virgo rising? Well, you know, because they're fastidious. They're very careful. Virgo in the natural zodiac rules the sixth house. And I've said this in other podcasts before. The sixth house is the processing house of the horoscope. It's where we deal with our equipment, our health issues, our employees, our systems, our systems management. But it's also the small intestine of the body. And what does the small intestine do? The small intestine knows this is really good for me. This thing's really bad for me. Pass the bad on to the large intestine. But this is good for me. And this is why I think Virgo risings often have quite a bit of money, especially over the, slowly, because it's an earth sign. And they're, they're patient with it over the course of their lifetimes. Libra, but they still want to have 
pleasure. They want to have comfort and they budget for that. They budget for, and this is what I find to be very, very interesting about Virgo risings. And of course it depends. Are you an early Virgo rising, a middle Virgo rising, a late Virgo rising? That all comes into play as well. But Venus rules the second house. Libra is um, soft fabrics, sweets, sugar, pleasure. Very good. It's also the scales of justice, balancing, the balancing act. Okay, if I'm going to have this pleasure, then I'm going to have to do this thing over here to have that. In other words, working very well with negotiating with yourself. I'm going to do this for sure. But if I'm going to do that, I'm going to have to do something over here that I'm not going to do to allow me to do this something over here. In other words, always looking. I want to have pleasure. I want to be comfortable. I want to be enjoying things. But I'm willing. I'm willing to say no to this, no to this, no to this so that I can have that. And then you go to the eighth house, which is Aries, which is ruled by Mars. And that's very strategic in how to get that pleasure. Because Mars is about being strategic, about being brave. You know who has Virgo rising? Uh, Madonna has Virgo rising. And I have actually done an extensive study on her chart. And I know she's been very ill at this juncture, but she started out pretty hard life. And she had to fight for what she brought in. And that's very definitely Mars on the eighth house or Mars ruling the eighth house. You're fighting for what you're bringing and you don't argue necessarily, but you're fighting for what you and being brave to go. Aries is pioneering. It'll go into places where nobody else goes. It's like the first one off the ridge or off the cliff. Um, and sometimes as a younger Virgo rising with Libra and Mars on this axis of money, you'll, oh, this is a great thing. Let's go spend money on this. And then you find out, well, that didn't work. So then you become far more strategic in terms of how you not only negotiate income, but you also become much more strategic about how you balance out your budget. Because Libra is the sign of balancing things out. Very good at strategic planning. You know, okay, I want to do something in five years. Between now and then, let's do, it's a long, what is it called? The long game. That's a Virgo rising. They do the long game. And they start with the details right here, one step at a time. But they look at the long game and they, it's almost like having, um, it's almost like they have a treasure map in their head that they can, that's something Virgo Risings do very, very well. They're very much, uh, under, underappreciated, but I, I really, I've known a lot of Virgo Risings in my life. And, you know, they're also the ones that know how to get that something done and do it in a beautiful way. Okay, Georgia, this was even more helpful than I could have possibly imagined. I literally have pages of notes. Really? Yes, I do. And especially for my love. I was able to go through his sign, uh, sun and rising. And we actually have something on our calendar to look at our budget, look at our finances. And I was taking little notes. I was like, oh, okay, make it fun. And Let's revisit in two or three months. You know, some of those things that you said, super, super helpful. So if you out there found this helpful, please make sure you download the cheat sheet that we've created that goes with this part one of this series and then part two that'll be released next week 
which is going to go through the rest of the zodiac signs. So don't worry, we're not forgetting about you. You will get your tips and tricks next week. So we'll be going through Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. So if you didn't get yours covered here, make sure you come back next week. If you haven't subscribed to the, the podcast yet, make sure you do that. Because when you do, you will get notified when a new episode is live. So if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to our channel there as well. Also, if you love Georgia as a teacher, make sure you go check out our full workshop series. You can go to astrologyhub.com slash workshop. Georgia is going to be going even more into some of these, these types of techniques. So Georgia, can you tell us a little bit about the workshop that you're going to be teaching in September? Yeah, we are going, I mean, it, I'm, I think it's, I really like it because I'm going to be addressing fear mm. issues and uh, how that's a perception of reality. It's not real. Mm. I'm going to look more into family stories of what money is. I'm going to be looking at where we block ourselves, you know, where we judge ourselves, where we're judged by others and how to get over that. I'm going to look at opportunity moments, Mm. you know, innovation opportunity moments that we need to pay attention to because there are opportunities, there's windows of opportunity. Just because life is hard doesn't mean there are windows of opportunity. And is that based on our chart, Georgia? Yeah, I think, I think that there's, when Jupiter can bring opportunity, even in a bad situation. And there's going to be like in the spring of 2024, well, 20th of 2024, it's a 13 to 14 year innovation cycle Mm -hmm. that's starting for everybody. And I'm going to be covering that in each sign of the zodiac in the workshop because we're finishing out the 2010 which is why everybody's kind of rattling around trying to figure out what they're going to be doing because they've got like a few more months to go. But in that spring of next year, it starts a brand new 13 to 14 years innovation cycle where there could be opportunities presenting themselves out of the blue when you least expect it if you're prepared. Ooh, okay. Amazing. You know, in other words, clean the slate this year. Clean the slate. All right. Clean so slate. go to astrologyhub.com slash workshop. You can either... Opt in to just join Georgia's work, workshop, which is going to be around wealth and financial elements of life. But we also have Judith Hill covering health and we have Michael Bryan covering fulfillment. So they're going to be teaching techniques that you can use to look at your chart and really start to understand where there's opportunities, where there's challenges, how to work with timing elements like Georgia just brought up to optimize these areas of your life, health, wealth, fulfillment. So go ahead and check that out, astrologyhub.com slash workshop. We will put the links that we referred to in this episode in the show notes. So make sure and you just go into the show notes or the description of this video, check that out. If you want, if you're listening and you you don't want to look at the show notes, remember astrologyhub.com slash budget. That is going to give you the cheat sheet that just went, that goes over all 12 zodiac signs, mm-hmm. rising signs, which is basically us some doing our best to summarize the main element of what Georgia covered here today and what she's going to cover in part two. And that is a free gift that is available to all of you right now. We're also going to link to Georgia's budgeting tool in that yeah. cheat sheet. So you can actually just download the one 
uh, cheat sheet, again, astrologyhub.com slash budget. And in that, you'll also get the link to Georgia's uh, little tool that she talked about here today. Thank you so much, Georgia, for being here. You are such a pleasure. I love learning from you. And I know that our, our community does as well. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your gifts at Astrology Hub. We're so, so grateful. And can't wait to see you for part two of this little podcast series. So um, we'll see you next week and we'll see all of you as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you as always for making astrology a part of your life. Catch you on the next episode. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.